0: Welcome to episode 22 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right guys, welcome along to take two of Iron Man Talk. We're getting a little tired. We're getting a little tired. We we recorded about half an hour and then the crusty microphone came back. But that's okay, because we're here to deliver. <laughs> so Iron Man Talk is uh, Iron Man Talk 22. 22. Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oh, there you go, John? Mate, spring is in the air. <laughs>
1: spring is in the air. I was a happy air. camper when we started, saying how fantastic <laughs> this weather's been today. We're out for a little ride, but Bevan's having a bad day. Tell, tell us about your day. So we're, out, we're out
0: going for a big ride, and we're going to do a big ride today. I was looking forward to it, and it's perfect training. Honestly, you couldn't get better training days. My bloody chain broke. In the middle <laughs> of nowhere, so I'm, I'm going to ride along. I had to walk up the hills. I'm trying to get a ride. No one would pick me up. <laughs> honestly, I had to go like about 15 k before someone would pick me up, So, but eventually someone did. So, uh, But I had a nice ride. <laughs> <laughs> you're just too powerful. Those big, powerful legs right, of yours. cranking it out, I tell you're,
1: you. you Working so hard that you're putting a puncher in your tyre
0: or a your chain, but let's get the show rolling. Okay, so this week we've got news uh, from the last weekend. Uh, we've got an age group of the week, and we're going to do website of the week. That's about it for this week, because we've got an interview with a guy called Hayden Woolley from Auckland, mm. who's... Tell so a bit we've more. just done the interview
1: with Hayden uh, because we're running so far behind time. Sounds a little bit sketchy. We're, we're really trying to work on the quality with this interviewing side of things. Yeah. So we are getting there, but um, you know, just bear with us on those things. It's, it's actually a bloody good interview. actually, yeah. um, you know, he uh, knows his stuff. He's so Jeepers jam- Creepers, so, so it's a really good lesson. So we're going to have a chat with Hayden, and um, then we'll probably just have a few little questions at the end.
0: Well, I don't think we're going to get time for that this week. So one thing we will Fem- ask is that enough. <laughs> 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 He's line. No, no, I don't think we will. So what we Do is can you guys actually not ask any questions this week? So we might even just leave questions and answers out this week. Sure, send us some emails if you want, but um, we just just, we're behind, yeah. And Hayden actually talked for longer than we kind of planned, which is good because his information was valuable. Yeah, so first of all, news we have uh, races on last weekend. We had Canada, oh, yes, and uh, our our tantaliser picks didn't go
1: quite according to plan, no, um. It was, a, it was an interesting race, sounded like a pretty hot hot day at the office. Um, I thought I might just talk about the girls a bit first, because it was a bloody exciting oh, race. sensational racing um, from the chicks. We uh, It really was. We were getting, uh, we, we're going to slag Ironman off again here, I'm afraid, it's just got to be done. The message doesn't seem to be getting through. No. That, They're uh, not listening to us, I'm not happy. <laughs> the, the coverage was pretty weak again, um, yeah. you know, we weren't happy with that, but you know. Even though the coverage was crap, it was still pretty exciting. Um, watching Lisa Bentley trying to gun down Belinda Granger. Belinda Granger had a fantastic bike ride, five oh five. Yeah, um, wow. Gordo only rode four fifty five, so ten minutes slower yeah. than him. And she just gusted out on the run. Looked like she just ran a nice, steady pace the whole way, just stuck to her game plan. But while she was doing it, she had Lisa Bentley chasing her down. She's a fast runner. I mean, she can run a three-hour marathon, and that's you know better than the vast majority of the guys. Mm so she was gunning her down and then it looked like she just went to la
0: la land <laughs> well it was interesting coming off the bike she was I think 18 minutes behind yeah and with about 3 or 4k to go it looked like she was going to catch and it was almost to the point where it looked like it might be a sprint finish but then I think it was 2 mile to go that she just, just blew lost it the
1: bloody good effort you know she gave it everything she did she could and ended up being pretty close. Nine hours twenty-five for Belinda Granger. So that's pretty solid time. And then nine twenty-eight. Uh, I was meant, meant to be working on the
0: computer, and I was so distracted by it. I was <laughs> <laughs> up, reload, reload, reload all the time. And
1: that's the other thing with the old with Iron Man Live. It used to reload automatically. Yeah. Now you just yeah. got to keep creating uh, your no. refresh button.
0: The whole page took ages to download. So one thing we've picked up on. Again, we're complaining about the same thing, but they don't seem to update it. They, two things They once the pros have finished it's like the race is finished for the day and they might do like a goodbye at the end of the day mm. and so they're not really doing all that information about age groupers and people who have done good races along the day conditions yeah like yeah those type of things and then B yeah, it's just yeah like it was interesting in this race the girls race was really exciting but they seemed to drop the ball in the guys race they weren't updating what was happening and no. I was like where's well, Gordo what's happening you know and yeah it was yeah, so. yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, well. But at the rest of the girls, it was actually, you know, it was a really close race between first and second, and then there was a yawning gap to third, yep. um, you know, nearly 40 minutes to third place, but then it was very close between third and tenth, um, it was only sort of 20 minutes, and between mm. third and sixth, there was only three minutes, so yeah. really good close racing there, so we had Laurie Lynn Leach in third place, uh, Charlene Waldner and fourth, and Sarah Gross and um, fifth. So, so good stuff there. Yeah. Um, nice. Wendy Ingram came in tenth on apparently a week's training. Yep. Um, she's obviously got it. A, hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, a little hard. But she's <laughs> the, you
0: think before and then a week <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: She's got a good base, and she was a very good athlete in her, in her prime. You know, regularly um, one of the leaders in in Kona. And I still remember that crawl off she had with Sean Welsh. Oh, was it her? Yeah, it oh. <laughs> was one of
0: the most sickening things I've ever seen yeah. in Iron Man. It was sensational, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> it was pretty entertaining. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Okay, so on the guy's side of things, Gordo couldn't quite get that first win under his belt. Um, I, think, I think we put him under a bit too much pressure, really. I yeah, think, you know, think we he probably went into the race yeah. <laughs> thinking the, the, the Ironman
1: talk fraternity is thinking about me and, and can I perform? And I think that probably got to him a
0: bit. But <laughs> That's the biggest pressure you can get, really. <laughs> In all seriousness, so it was... Um, it was actually interesting, Gordo's got his, uh, not really a race report as such, but he's got his numbers up and a few comments on his blog, which is uh, at gordoworld.com. And um, he it sounds as though he was quite happy with his race. He, yeah. He basically was quite realistic about where he was right now, and um, and he felt that this race was probably what should have happened. It was quite a balanced race when you look at it. I mm. mean, it
1: wasn't. He didn't have an electric bike, and he didn't have an electric run for him. Mm. Mm. Um, so it was pretty you're just a standard day at the office. Um, put things in perspective. He went eight fifty one uh, two years ago. He went eight twenty nine, which would have won him the race. Uh, uh, the weekend, I, obviously different be. conditions, but. Um, so he'll be back. He's looking next year to to really peak for this race and, mm. and do
0: as well as he can. So we had our Courtney Ogden coming off the bike um, in first position, in, mm. uh, but yes, leg just Blitzed to run. Yeah. yeah, fantastic run. You know, um,
1: really, really strong out the office. sounded like it was quite tough, pretty hot, uh, and also they've had. You know, every year they seem to have these problems with the forest fires and. Um, reports from some of the athletes I work with who did the race said it was pretty smoky out there, and it was causing a few bit of breathing difficulties, so... Um, so that was a bit of an issue but yeah fantastic race he's uh, finished I think f- second and fifth there before yep. he wasn't in the triathlon tantaliser picks for either of us no bugger it um, we had Dave Harju we had Gordo and then I think I had Dave Harju and Courtney Ogden and you had um, Matthew Clark I think who yeah make some it random time.
0: guy <laughs> so we went,
1: Australian <laughs> so we're going to have to go back and, and have a look at the triathlon tantaliser trifecta picks because I'm now absolutely walloping Bevan's With sorry the- didn't we butt. stop doing that stuff? No, we didn't. <laughs> and uh, so good racing at Canada. And I guess um, if you're planning on doing the race next year, it's it's too late because you probably needed to be queuing up. Uh, yeah, up just quickly. We,
0: we, um, we're not really going to really go into the emails, but just quickly, which I kind of talk crap there because uh we had a couple people sending through links about that and um you can actually go in as an international competitor on the over the internet so i think if you're in a a canadian i can't remember who sent me that email give some credit later on um and then they're having an anniversary next year and if you've done that if you've done canada 10 times you can register without having Ah. the issue of doing it now i imagine it's not too many about you (laughs) have done canada 10 times yeah um, which I think is probably a bit harsh. Maybe five would have been a bit number. Yeah, because yeah. you know you're probably only going to get maybe 20-30 people.
1: Well, yeah, it's it's the big race. They've big numbers fills up every year. So them them's are uh, the rules they've set, and mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure the race is probably full already. Um, but yeah, like Bevan said, well, seen, well yeah, no, they're the online and live, um, people were queuing up. That's right. As the race was still going on, the race was on. I think that some guy was twenty fourth in line. line yeah, that's so, uh, <laughs> sensational. Well done For you. The got a concert, not it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well done to you guys. Fevren gives me this cold and he's sniffling away next to me. If I get this cold, I'm going to be seriously not a happy man. I've got tissues all around me. Ah, oh, it's oh. quite vulgar, really. But anyway, anyway, the race we had. <laughs> the race we had was uh, Ironman Korea. And, uh, now, yeah. this is a bit controversial,
2: mm.
0: because they didn't do the swim again. Now, it was a lot like New Zealand, except they did follow up doing the whole ride and the whole run. But uh, apparently it was lightning storms and being in the water is a bit dangerous, which is understandable loser. Yeah. But the thing is, is that they didn't seem to learn from the New Zealand experience, or at least maybe that's how they want to do it. In New Zealand, Cameron Brown complained how... As the top pro, top-ranked pro, he had to go first on the ride, and he felt that was unfair because there's obviously a disadvantage being the first guy out there. Mm-hmm. And that, as the top-ranked pro, there should maybe, if there is any advantage, you should be maybe really getting that. And uh but same thing happened here. in... in where are we? Where Korea. Are we in Korea. Yeah. Same thing happened in Korea. Is that I don't know where you are. You look like yeah. you're, in, you're, in, you're in La <laughs> La Land at the moment. Uh, what's the plot? <laughs> but um, they sent the athletes off two at a time, two abreast, and five second gaps. With the fastest guys going first again. Mm. Now, to me, there doesn't seem to be a rule. There doesn't seem to be a standard that if the swim doesn't start, this is what's going to happen. Now, admittedly, you know, out of 100 races, you may get one, maybe even less than that, where the swim doesn't happen, but I think they should be on top of this. Yeah, and it should be, like you said, there should be some standard procedures in place, so
1: if you you know, you know, if you get up in the morning and if you see it's a howling, howling wind, lightning, you're going to have, you know, a few options going through your head that Mm. you know what's going to happen, rather than turning up thinking, what the hell are we going to be doing today? So, um, I think they did actually do the same thing here a few years ago where they just did the full bike, full run. Yep. Um, so, really disappointing day. You're not doing these things just to do that. You know, you do swim training and that's a big part of the race. You
0: had an idea before about
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think um, rather than this sort of starting off individually and never really knowing where you are on the course is having like a 10k run, a 180k bike and then a 32k run. So you're still getting the same distances in but then you can be racing people head to head and uh, especially for the elites, it's very difficult when you're running along and you're trying to compute in yeah, your head you yeah. know, because the, the elites tend to go minute gaps. So if you're riding along with somebody going, right, well he, he started four minutes behind me, if I beat him by two minutes on the run, all these different scenarios where you really just want to be focusing on your day and... and um, I just think that might be a slightly better way of doing it, mm. um,
0: rather than this sort of time trial. Yeah, I, j- I just want there to be a way, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you know the, know the, the right. results when the guys, I sort of think we had Scott Green take it out, eight oh nine. Which again, it's probably got a slow time if you consider there's no swim nice there. Swim. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, but I think he finished fifth maybe last year.
1: I think I was reading that somewhere on the um, the the updates. So then we had Chang Yi Yo nineteen. So it was a big gap, ten minute victory. Um, so really good race by Scott Green. Real big surprise to me to see Jason Shortis only doing 8.34. He's a quality athlete and he generally goes sub 8.30 when there is a swim. Yep. So he clearly didn't have a particularly good day. Um, but it looks like a lot of the uh, Asian athletes tended to come through there quite well. Not a lot of sort of the European pros and no. Americans, Australians. fair time of year as well, isn't it?
0: Yeah. yeah. On the chick side of things, we had Theresa Marcel win it
1: at 9.29. So that was a pretty respectful time. She had a victory there by. Nearly 25 minutes. Mm, she beat a lot of the GoPro's. Yeah, and Caroline Cole was in third in 10.09. So, um, again, but on, in both the men's and the women's field, no, no real rock stars there. It's not the easiest place to get to. Um, and, again, it, it is a late-season race where, you know, you're not going to get many people doing Korea and then also going on to do Hawaii. So, well done to all you guys that um, raced. It's a uh, shame you didn't get this swim. But uh, although I would have loved break. it <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: so we also had um, Elmere Elmir
0: Elmer,
1: so Elmer, yep. Elmer was actually the European long course championship so the ITU World long Co- uh, European long course champs now, at oh. this race they have uh, it's most years it's an Ironman distance race the Elmir triathlon but because um, the ITU how they classify a long distance race they classify it as being a 4k swim uh, 120k bike and a 30km run, so a bit shorter than Ironman and uh, and a bit more balanced, you know, you've got slightly longer swim uh, and a bit more proportion, so they still had the long course race, but the championship race which we're going to talk about um, was over that slightly shorter distance we had uh, had Jens Kofud yeah. from Denmark uh, taking the race out in 5.33, 533 yeah.
0: uh, he had a 4 minute victory over uh, okay, now this name is sensational, so I'm having a shot at it. Schind, uh De I think that's spot on. <laughs> spot on. That's a sensational name. Imagine being a five-year-old trying to learn how to spell your name with that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to be a smith, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, John there you Smith, at the third. Time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and
1: third, we had Garrett Sheerans. He's done a lot of racing this year, also from Belgium. So we had second and third, both from Belgium. Uh, it's interesting because he got out of the water of. Uh, is, is he, he was a long way behind out of yeah, the water. Yeah, but they both rode together. What's,
0: how's that, Peter? Petra Vibrusic. Um,
1: so he's So he tends to do every flip and nine man race on the circuit. Yep. Uh, and generally does about that. He sort of goes somewhere between third and eighth. And yep. uh, very, very consistent performer, but, but loves to race. So, so well done on him. And we had our mate Stephen Bayliss down in sixth place. Yep. For the old pommies, for you tri talk listeners, it's five forty were commenting that uh, a lot of these guys tend to be racing a lot more now. Um, we're seeing guys doing multiple Ironmans in a season, which we perhaps haven't seen so much in the past.
0: Yeah, we were in our previous show, of <laughs> <laughs> we were commenting how Stephen has seems to be racing a lot and uh, doing a lot of events, and that. He's the kind of guy who could kind of maybe make it to that next level, but he doesn't seem to be making it, and maybe that is because he just seems to be, you know, doing so Racing many events and, and trying to make a living.
1: Mm. So mm. you know, rather than say picking two or three races, trying to peak for them, a lot more risky. And if you don't pull it off, then you don't have any money. Yeah. So it's it's a big um, big trade off. And mm. we are seeing heaps of people doing lots of races.
0: Well, when we played golf, John and I were talking this morning about golf, and there's a New Zealand golfer, Michael Campbell, who oh, won yeah. U.S. Open last year. And John was saying, "What what was the stats?" He he, he played in the
1: uh, the World Championship of Golf, which was last weekend. He finished in a tie for 43rd place. And his prize money was 43,000 US dollars. <laughs> and that's basically, you know, at a, at a standard Ironman race, the prize pool for men and women, total prize pool was 50,000 US. So it makes us look like a bit of a bunch of idiots. Yeah, we'd probably
0: be getting paid thousands for doing the show if we were golf. <laughs> yeah. Actually, golf talk, weekly. <laughs> golf talk weekly. See you guys later. Last show. <laughs> Okay, um, on the chick
1: side of things. Ve- now this is, again, we, we had a very, very close race here. and
0: uh, Oh yeah, fantastic racing. The, so the first girl took it out. Elizabeth Christensen. Yep, she took it out. And uh, she took it in 6.19. But then in between, from second down to fifth. Yeah, they are all in the 26 minutes, 6 hours 20. 6, 20, 05. So we had 05 08, 04, 014, and then 51. So we're a bit sad because our
1: girl Bella, yep, she got Bella. Uh, taken down. She was in fourth, so nine seconds off second, second and yeah. only a minute off uh, winning it. So she's clearly in some pretty good form. And... Uh, what was sort of happening there on the run? So yeah, was there, the the I mean, other girls ran them down? Yeah, it was second all, and third. Um,
0: what was it Martina and Edith?
1: Yeah, so they were running down, and uh, that must have been a fantastic finish. And we have been sort of slagging off Iron Man, um, but apparently the coverage at Almere on online was absolutely fantastic. I, I'm forgetting now if we've already talked about this or not. No, no, just, we haven't. No, talked we talked about it in the last <laughs> show, um, <laughs> but it was fantastic coverage. Apparently live uh, video feed. They had helicopters, planes live audio really good updates and so it would have been really good watching this race
0: I'm really interested to see what I um, Hawaii's going to be like this year because Hawaii last year I, I watched the coverage live because you were there and I was yeah. sat down and got my chips and <laughs> sat at the computer for like 10 hours it's a bit sad really but, um, but it was awesome coverage I was really impressed with it although my broadband wasn't good enough at the time but um, I'd be interested to see was it, was it not your Mac the problems with no the Mac? there's never a problem with Mac <laughs> but um, I was interested to see I'll be interested to see now they've gone to a new format How uh, is... yeah if it will be a store of that quality because it seems to me that it's not as <laughs> (laughs) they've gone to this new website and this new design and it's not as good so So. but we're not one to complain no we're not (laughs) um okay then so So races on this weekend
1: we've got the Monaco 70.3 so looking forward to that very strong field be a cool place to do a race um I've been there a number of times never done a triathlon there I I noticed in the picture for the race that they actually have the uh prince or is he even he might be he's king now king Albert he's actually really into his triathlon Mm, Um, because remember Bevan was talking about that yeah Yeah. um not me. No, Dale <laughs> Bevan, Bevan Uh He's very into his triathlon and he often goes and helps out with awards and he's um, really into it, so... Uh because even went to save them, didn't he? Yeah, even yeah. Doherty stayed with the Prince Albert of Monaco for before the World, uh, before the Olympics, actually. Oh. And the family all <laughs> stayed with them as well. Yeah. Good old cheap Kiwis. Invite one to get <laughs> twenty. But, but it's a strong field. You have got a few legends in the game there. Luke yeah, Van Yeah, Luke Van Laird. Uh, we, we I think we've talked about him in the past. He, he looks a bit past it, but in his day, when he was on top of his game. He was just an amazing athlete. The way he performed when he went to Hawaii, set the new course record. Yeah. Uh, was it 807? Yeah, like just, yeah, just wicked. You know, very strong all-round athlete, great swimmer, great biker, and sensational runner. So, um, We've got our doubts whether he's going
0: yeah, to bring old.
1: home the bacon there, but uh, but watch that space. But a, the really good battle will be between Rudkabiki Kabiki and uh, Chris McCormick. I think Maka, if he's in form, will probably uh, should take that out. But Rud Kabiki really consistent in Hawaii and I think it was last year or possibly the year before completely dominated this race in Monaco so uh, a really good big men's pro field there um, yeah 30 over 30 competitors Kieran Doe actually is racing there uh, he's, too. He, he's good, he's Kiwi boy on hot form so uh, mm. really he's good he's actually coached by, coached by Mecca oh is he? Mm. oh I didn't yeah. know that yeah, absolutely. Um, well I did oh. my piece you did <laughs> but a good but a good strong field Nicholas Brun there a Jew athlete uh, Ronnie Schnill neck He's also there, so we'll we'll look forward to seeing that race. Not so big on the
0: chick side of things. We've got about 10 athletes on the chick side of things. Yes,
1: so we've got Karen Thurig. Um, She's a fantastic cyclist, competes both at triathlon and at cycling. Um, But I think probably the interesting battle between um, Shell Dillon, who's a short course girl, and she'll be taking on um, a lot of these longer course girls. And and what we've seen so far this season is the Olympic distance athletes have been taking the Ironman athletes down in these 70.3s. So, downtown. downtown. <laughs> so, we'll see if Michelle Dillon can pull off pull it off. She's a really good runner. Um, an Aussie turned pommy. So, I don't know whether you Try Talk listeners will be liking that or not, but... Um, Good hey,
0: athlete. Mate, if he was Kiwi claim claimer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll look forward to reporting back on that next week. Just one thing on that. Chris McCormick's actually signed up to do Challenge Queenstown. Mm, mm. As a team. Yeah. I got the email through. I think it might have even been this morning. John was slightly concerned when he first saw that Chris McCormick was doing
1: it. I'm not happy. I mean, <laughs> I'm supporting the event. I think it's going to be a great event. Uh, and, I, and I like to support new events as long as people that are slower than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not happy. We've already, we've already got Karen Doe who's coming down. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of others that'll be coming. I'm sure yeah. there'll be a few Germans. Oh, no, Olaf? Olaf. He yeah. said he's coming. So, yeah, we, we like him. But yeah, stay away. Do a team or something. Yeah, a team. Give me some glory. Yeah.
0: I'm getting slow in my old age, and I need a little bit of help I can get. said 30, guys? You know? hell. So, so there you go. So that's that race. What other races do we have? We've got one in Japan. The Sado
1: Island Triathlon, which I've done myself. Fantastic race. Yeah, cruise around this little fishing village and around the island. Very, very hot. They have a long course race there, so it's Ironman distance, and then they have a three-quarter distance race. And uh, very hot. I remember, remember being at that race and having a bit of an explosion with about th- uh, three <laughs> to go on the run. What it's, just so, it's, it's just sounds, so hot. It sounds wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've done our peeing on the bike. It wasn't one of those ones. Okay. You, you run through like um, paddy fields, and it's just this really hot, dry heat. So if anybody is going over that race, they look after you fantastically well when you go to Japan. We got treated like flipping royalty um great race and stable for prince stable prince. <laughs> um i did actually stay in the presidential suite oh, there um, where the, the um, japanese royal family stands so that was quite nice it's kind of Slept on the floor though that's um, all right but Claim we've it. also got another race in canada um coming up now i'm really staggered by the number of ironman distance races in canada this is probably a bit about the f- fourth event over the last maybe six weeks or so that we've reported on um, and they just seem to be popping up everywhere so I guess, you know, Ironman Canada is obviously full, but if any of you guys you know miss out on that or you want to try a different sort of challenge, the Canadian the Canadian, so when you cross the line you don't have the race commentator saying you're an Ironman, mm-hmm. you have, you're a Canadian so it's a half and a full I think uh, it's actually called, oh no, yeah, no, it's, Canadian. Yeah, it's yeah, Canadian. Canadian I've done Canadian. my research <laughs> Saturday the 2nd of September yeah. 6.30am um what are you what oh, sorry sorry I was doing else. He's, he's playing around here. Oh, um, so it's another Ironman distance race, so give give me support for that. And that's about all the races we saw. There's a few, few more half Ironmans sort of scattered around, but uh, no official Ironman races coming up this weekend. Okay, um, so you also had a link
0: about
2: um, Zoffingen. You're pushing me along here. We've got to get this done. We've got to get everything done. <laughs> Shut up <but, laughs> <I> and <mean>, move <laughs> Zoffingen. Zoffingen.
1: Zoffingen is a fantastic hard duathlon in Switzerland. Uh, the distances now. Oop, there we go. Uh, you go. It's a 150k bike, 30k run. I think the opening run is a ten, yeah, ten kilometre run, 150k bike, 30k run. Very, very challenging course, very hilly. Um, You sort of run through forests on the run, and you have a multiple loop, uh, 50k loop on the bike. A good friend, Scott Molina.
2: Scott Molina took
1: took the race out in 1991. 1991. Back in the days. (laughs) (laughs) But the the race used to have huge money and uh, huge prize money, and it basically used to draw the same sort of Um, calibre of field as to Hawaii. Basically, the top guys often tended to do Zoffingen and Hawaii, and those were the two races they peaked for, purely because it was fantastic money, and it was also a really challenging day at the the office. Erin Baker took took it out two times, and I remember one time, one of those years, it was either 92 or 94, she beat the majority of the guys as well. Um, Really? She finished, I think, maybe 11th overall. It's a fantastic race, but it used to be a, a handicap race as well. And so okay. there was big prize money for first across the line, so there was often a battle between the guys and girls, and it was a pretty even battle. So I just thought I'd bring that up. There's a really good article on uh, InsideTriathlon.com, um, so talking about the race, and then the race was held last weekend, and so there's obviously the report on that. Benny Van Stallent, uh took the race out. Not really that surprising. He wins pretty much every triathlon on the planet. And also, interesting, as you read through it, there was an Uber team in there. There was uh, a team made up of Faris El-Saltan, um, Thomas Hellriegel, and I think it was Olivier Ma- uh, not Olivier, Marcel, Olivier Bernard from Switzerland. So they had a bit of an Uber team, and they actually only beat uh, Van Stellen by around about 10 minutes, and they didn't actually win the team's competition. They got taken down. Um, so to check out those results, it's quite a cool little story. You know, it's a funny sport, really, isn't it?
0: It is. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. <laughs> to get myself in trouble here.
1: Yeah, it doesn't get a great deal of coverage. No. And you know?
0: if anything, you think that it would probably be an easier for, sport to, for people to pick up, because mm. you know swimming is the thing that you gets a lot of people away from triathlon. Oh, I don't want to learn to swim and all that. And yeah, it's interesting. It just it's, doesn't. It's, it's to never really up. taken off. No. Um, which is a bit of a shame.
1: A bit like multi-sports sort of big in New Zealand, but it hasn't really necessarily taken no. off elsewhere in the world. So, no. but Ben sell is the man. Um, wonder if he can swim. But it's, it's interesting, it's, I've never heard of him. Oh, he's a machine. He's a multi, multi-time world champion. Yeah, exactly. Player. But you know
0: what I mean? Like he should, and then you yeah. have a be a superstar, you yeah. know? And minority yeah. sports normally get heard of through their superstars. And so, okay. yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, so, uh, so have, we, have a bit of a read of that on Inside Try okay uh, short course champs we are an Ironman focused show but there's one event we will talk about briefly it's the world world champs this weekend in Lausanne and
1: uh, our Kiwis are going to
0: kill everybody yep Be- got Be- got
1: Be- first second third Bevy's going to take down the championship he's going to bring home a second world title yep, Hamish in at second Hamish in second then we'll take Chris, Chris Hamill in third yeah. so we'll take and out then the Queen's our sweep. chips will come fourth <laughs> yeah. but uh It'll be really good racing, and, and for comparison's sake, it's ITU do a really good job of covering the races uh, live on the site, so there's, there's good coverage. So, so check it out. It's um, they'll be racing on Sunday European time, and uh, it should be quite a good race. It's a tough, tough bike course. There's uh, two two really decent climbs on it. So the ones about. 10 to 12%, uh, and the other one's, I think, just under 10 So uh, that should should make yep. it an interesting race, and, and the real triathletes should come through rather than... The real triathletes? The, rather than the runners. <laughs> it's not going to be a flat pancake the, They're race. not triathletes. Oh, no, they are. It's the, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you shut up, you sick. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's about it for our news, but we're going... Well, no, it's not. Back no, it up. Back, ba- back it up. Back it
0: up. We have our discussion of the week. Now, we talked in last week a little bit about... Um, our blog was started on the website and, uh, we had some comments and we, a uh, uh, topic was, should the female athletes be paid the same amount as the male athletes? And it started off and we had Stuart, Tim, Matthew and, it's like? Slok, silky, it? silky are uh, Germans and they live in New York. Okay. Yeah, I remember that because they sent me an email. Um, and they were pretty much saying... That um, you know, the chicks should be paid the same amount, and it, and it got to the point where someone was saying that they think it's ridiculous we're even talking about this. But then Brian Rhodes, my bloody legendary <laughs> friend, well, not even know the guy, but got knocked off a bi- knocked off his bike and decided to spend some time yep, on the net. And he's bloody legend because he came to our website. So um, Brian's actually a really good Ironman. He's won three Ironman around the world, and he's just been around for years and career kind of triathlete, mm. and uh, still going on. He unfortunately didn't race uh, UK a couple of weeks ago because he was pretty, looking pretty strong for that, but. He came on, and i read what he said. He said, I think they should get the same, but if they don't make the 8% cutoff, the remainder of the money should go straight into the pro men's prize purse, as there is hardly any times that the men don't make the 8% cut off." I also think the prize money should be go deeper in the men's race, as there are a lot more male pros, I mean pro men versus pro women.
1: Which is exactly what we talked about before with uh, looking at that, Monaco. Yeah,
0: There's, there's a yeah. big, big 30, prize. 30, 33 pro men and, and less than maybe, 10 or 10 pro females. Yeah,
1: so... So, you know, we're supposed to live in an equal world, and, and, and I think the general consensus is, and, and when we discussed this on our last show, yeah. which you guys unfortunately won't listen to, it was the best show ever, too. <laughs> in fairness, it was actually quite a good show. We'll <laughs> we were pretty good. Mm. Um, but the consensus is, and we, we agree with it, you know, the top females should be getting the same money. Um, but where the issue comes up, and, and I think this, the percentage that Brian talks about that is in place at WTC races and at ITU races, is if you don't finish generally, I think it's either 8% or 10% of second place, then you don't get the money. And yeah. that, that tends to make things a lot more equal, um, because, you know, say you're you a female and you finish an hour 30 behind the winner and... and um, or behind second place, and you, yep. finish, you finish, you know, sixth place or something like that. Then tough titties. You don't get any money. You're not. Yep. You're not good enough. You're not close enough. Um, but it is interesting to see whether these uh, WTC races do actually distribute the money they're supposed to um, redistribute it back through the uh, the rest of the pro field. So, so I think it's
0: yeah. My, my, my view is I kind of agree, with Brian. I think that. Um, there aren't as many pro-, pro females and I think the top ones you know they deserve the money because they're pretty, pretty legendary but you know like uh, a friend of mine got top 10 as a pro female mm. in one of her first races and she was like twelve behind and, and she didn't get paid out because she didn't make the cutoff time which is great but you know, I don't think she should get paid out as well. <laughs> I think uh, when you're looking at it um, from an outsider's <laughs> point of view, you're not looking at it from, say,
1: the pro, the professional's point of view, Is yes, everything should be equal, everything should be fair. In the but, perfect world. In the perfect world. But what often, what why there is frustration from some of the pro guys is, yeah, they're stacking up and they're finishing very close to the winner and they're not getting paid out when some of the females perhaps are. Yeah. So I think the percentage rule really takes care of that. Um, and perhaps in the past, uh, when that wasn't in place, that there was a bit of frustration there. So so I think as long as races have that in place, and ITU have it, WTC do, then I don't think there should be too, much, uh, too many complaints, really. I think there is common agreement that the top girls are as good as the top guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, there is just that little bit of an issue where um, if you know people don't fall in
0: that percentage and they get paid out then should they really get paid out um, okay quickly um I well just one other thing i think the best the best the best post went to uh, steve ross who told me that my clock was wrong yeah <laughs> the well, he wasn't happy about the clock <laughs> that's sensational steve <laughs> that's a beautiful thing and then we got a reply back from that and yeah then people replied back to that yeah and it's on us time so there you go steve you know Moment, so, uh, <laughs> uh, but thanks to everyone actually went on and posted no. well, we're going to go to discussion this week now last week in Ironman UK um, Jim Bruce Nick something like that he uh, where's the email he basically came in I think it was second or third he was at age group of the week he was
1: leading for, for a long period yeah, of the race here we go.
0: he was the age grouper of the week and couple of weeks earlier, he'd raced in the 70.3 in Belgium as a pro and he placed 9th. Mm. Now, we're kind of not going to go into too much detail now because we're not going to give our opinions because no. we're going to make this our discussion for this week. Now, should he be allowed to race as a pro a few weeks before an Ironman, and then go into an Ironman and get top three as an age grouper, which would then take a Kona slot. Mm. This is the this is the discussion we want to have. Now, John and I had, in our last show, talked about it, but we're, <laughs> we're running out of time, so we've decided to go against it this time, but that's the question we want you to go in, is should somebody who's raced as a pro, maybe within a certain period of time, let's say within three months yeah. of an Ironman race, then be able to turn up as an age grouper in a race? Um, we want to get your opinions. Now, it was interesting because John and I did have some different views on this and uh, and I think we'll leave this one till next week. Yeah. So Thank check out you. our blog and you can go to our website www.ironmantalk.com and there's a blog link there. And uh, we'll, we'll have that question there. We're interested to see what you guys think. Um, How do
1: you actually do it? Because uh, you go in there and you press add comment,
0: do you? Yeah, add comment. Now, that's quite small to see. So when you go onto the page, it, underneath the question, there was just a small like comment. And you click on that, and then it, you can do it through and there. it says add comment. You yeah. put your name and your email yeah. and stuff in there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah,
1: we've got some views on that. So so don't just say with Roadie if you want
0: to go in again, mate. Legendary. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it gives us credit. So, <laughs> creds. <laughs> so. But,
1: but give us, you know, say what you what you sort of feel about it, and perhaps give us some suggestions. Um, or, we should see if we get Roadie on the show. Oh, some... we're going to. Oh, we yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, we're going. Oh, tell to. me oh, that now, mate. Uh-huh. Aha, I've, I've got the connection. Crap. I've got the connections, uh, mate. <laughs> don't you worry. Uh, I'll bring it. I'll yeah, bring, we'll it on home. bring
0: it on. Bring Okay. I can't believe you put that call out on the show. Right on. <laughs> last one, last bit of news that you guys are all going to be very excited about. Over the last few weeks, I've been teasing you, teasing you with uh, the Mark Allen Dave Scott, 1989 Hawaii Man Now I've got it up on YouTube. It's in six parts, and uh, the sixth part actually isn't up yet. But I'm, I should be up by the time you've listened to this. Now you need to go to our show notes to show you the link. Um, so in our show notes, where I have websites of the week, I'll have a link to them. And it's you have to watch it over six sections because YouTube won't let you have a movie that goes for more than ten minutes best thing to do when you're watching is, is you can actually choose the screen size and to make it a little bit smaller because for some reason it's really good quality on my computer but then once you put it on YouTube they must listen, they must compress it and uh, make you lose a bit of quality in doing that so um, yeah, so check it out, it's up there and it's a really cool watch and it's pretty intense watching those guys race, like the pace they were going, it was unbelievable mm. and uh, yeah, so it's up it's up! It's up! It's, it's up! It's big news, and I got so many emails—thousands like, of emails. Thousands replying, thousands. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's really cool. And I think Ross, the guy who sent us that originally, is going to send us one of Dave Scott winning like 1982. Ah. So if, if yeah, make sure you do send it over because I'd love to get that one up there as well. Mm. One thing is—is is that I'm not sure if I was actually allowed to put that up there. So <laughs> if you want to get it? <laughs> <laughs> next,
1: next week it could be Iron Man talk with Coach John Newsom. <laughs> And reporting live from prison cell
0: three seven nine is Evan James Isles. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the what the rules are with putting it up there. So make sure you get on seeing it soon because I know YouTube if they have content that is not allowed to be up there, they will take it off. Now I again I don't know, but get up there and mind real quick. <laughs> That's my tip for the week. Yeah. Um. It's our news for this week. Age Grouper of, of the Week! So Age Grouper of the Week got sent to me by Craig Whiting. Um, I think he's from New Zealand actually, to be honest. Well, his friend, is at least, is from New Zealand now. It's Jessica Stacey of Tauronga.
1: Tauronga.
0: Tauronga. In New Zealand, and she completed her first Ironman in Canada. And she won an age group of 18 to 24 in a time of 10.50. 10. Which is a pretty good effort for your first Ironman. man. solid. And it's a pretty slow race, as we were mentioning earlier on. Mm. And so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we lost it. Our microphones, we have probably already mentioned this earlier on the show, but we're recording this before the other bit and we're angry because our microphone stuffed up again, but that's okay. Um, so, what well on, Jessica? And she's obviously got a pretty big future in the sport, you know, age 18 to 24 to win, yeah. to win your age group at 1050. So, if she's going to ploddle off to Hawaii maybe? Yeah, well. a few weeks' time. I mean, they have that side of the world, you might as well do it. So, mm. what well on, Jessica? And, I mean, yep, Jessica, and. Uh, Thanks for that, Craig. You always make my job nice and easy when you guys send me through the age groupers of the yes, week. So, so sensational. Keep it coming, guys. So, Jessica, you are our our age, age group Gruber of the, of the week. week. Beautiful. Website of the week. Again, we're not our enthusiasts. Yeah, let's keep rolling, though. We keep rolling. Professional Professionals, show. that's the one. Okay, so we got um, sent through this website by a guy called Cav. Now, he did have another name but oh no this one's actually from Kevin Dubert and um, this is a great place for you guys in America it's called net, and he's basically saying it has the most tryfind.com comp- oh no .net oh okay I'm
1: looking down da- I'm looking down
0: below it <laughs> yeah, it's creep isn't it for the most comprehensive list of races there are so it's for American people out there but he's just saying it's got a really really good list of races and i i actually go to the site myself a lot for news and i know they really cover they pretty much cover everything so it's a really good place he's saying in particular they have a link for an iron distant page which is this is where the dot this is where
1: dot com slash html comes yeah, and in and they have it
0: in the half page as well which again we will have all those up for in our links for our show notes so that's our website of the week and uh once again thank you kevin for that we also had a an email from a guy called Kev and he was just talking about a really good forum called triscoop.com. So we'll check, we'll put some links to that one. You're doubling just, up again. Well, web, you know.
1: it's not. Web, we're going to have to change. We have to, we're going to have to go back. Websites. Websites of the week. It's <laughs> not website.
0: It's the plural. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so check out those websites. Um, I did actually go and have a look on uh, TryScoop and it looked pretty cool as well. They, uh, someone gave us a plug, which I always like. So, oh, we like that. Yeah, so plug, plug us as, as much as you want, and uh, also go try and find for the people in America, and maybe even the people overseas who are looking to do races in America. Like if you're going on holiday, and mm. uh, you want to sneak an eye in and just, just, <laughs> just slip one there under the radar. Hey, honey,
1: honey. <laughs> I'm just popping out for
0: for 10 hours. I'll uh, I'll see you soon. Pick pick me up in 15 hours. (laughs) I can't do dinner tonight. (laughs) So, yeah. So, there you go. Back on track Back on track.
1: Got the enthusiasm back. So, those are our websites of the the week.
0: week. Hey guys, so next up we have an interview with Hayden Woolley. Now, um, as we mentioned earlier on in the show, the recording through the Skype system we're using just doesn't make the interview as clear as we would like. We are looking at other options, so we'll be getting on to that. But for now, this is the best we can do. Um, it's not that bad, but do persevere with it just because he's got some really thorough and great information. So enjoy it. See ya. Uh, Today's show we've got Hayden Woolley Who's a swim coach
1: extraordinaire From Auckland, New Zealand Um, So welcome along to the show Hayden Glad to have you here Now what we're going to go through Hayden gives us a really good perspective Because he's been a uh, a top swimmer For New Zealand He's also been a top triathlete for New Zealand And now he's obviously getting into uh, Well been into swim coaching for quite some time now So he can give us a unique perspective And we're going to talk really about I am Man side of swimming and uh and what you guys should be doing so i'm quite looking forward to it i know Hayden quite well but i've never actually been uh coached by him for swimming so i'm looking forward to it because Hayden nice. i suck at swimming and i really try hard but <laughs> you're the man so <laughs> so how did you sort of get into triathlons Hayden just a bit about your background
2: <clears throat> yeah um funny story because you know this skill as well um a friend that we both know, Sarah Harrow, she, um, she was a good triathlete back in um, 1994. I think she got third in Wellington yeah. um, at World uh, Tri Champs. She was a mate and she used to be a, uh, an ex swimmer. And uh, I totally uh, raided her ass. Uh, so <laughs> she she got <laughs> <so> she <laughs> me out there one day um, managed to get me out there for a three hour bike ride. And I remember thinking, yeah, I'm on for that, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll follow that cute butt around for three hours. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Um, we, we got out there and you know did that and it was all good fun I think we averaged about 21 k's an hour on my old sort of Allen um, Allen bike and it was an ALAN, it wasn't the Allen Speed Frames, it was a really really old bike but it was cool uh-huh. and um, I think I trained for two hours in the morning doing a bit of swimming for a three hour bike ride then finished up doing another two hour swim at night at about eight o'clock I think I hit the sack didn't wake up anywhere near early enough to go training in the morning and I screwed behind the start <laughs> but I think that's that's pretty much what got me um, stuck anyway. So, um, got in, got involved with a guy called Joel Hellmanz, who was both our coaches. He had a group yeah. of about eight or nine guys, I think, at once, and we all got involved. and he, he put the structure around us, and and then uh, just kept going. Yeah, that's how I started. Ah, oh, very
1: good. Did you, did you yes. change your your approach to swim training much? Like, obviously, you know, the swimmers you, you're training a huge huge amount of volume in the pool, but did you actually change the way that you you did your own swim sessions when you came to triathlon?
2: I think really all it just got scaled down because, you know, you've got three sports. Um, plus, if you're doing gym work um, as a triathlete, but really we went from 10 or 11 sessions as swimming down to about three to five. Uh, it was one of those disciplines that I knew I didn't have to work on that, that strongly. So for me, I think I was sitting around about three to four sessions, and, and John wanted most of us doing five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they dropped from about ten to three or four sessions. Yeah. Plus, um, all the mileage obviously dropped um, quite remarkably down from up to ten k sessions we are doing the pool, eighty k's a week to maybe a maximum while I was doing tries of about twenty five k's a week. Okay. So obviously, you know, both the number of sessions and mileage went way down. Yeah. Um, but I think you know generally the mix of things stayed roughly the same. We, we might only do one. Threshold, maybe two threshold sets a week as a triathlete. We do, you know, up to four or five of those as a, as a swimmer. But um, they are also the specialist uh, kind of triathlon transition, um, swim, swim, bike, swim runs that we do. We'd uh, we we used to go out to a pool uh, that was out near the airport down there in Christchurch. We'd uh, head out to and It had quite a quite a gretulin, um like the steps as they roll in would actually be steps. They'd be more like a almost like one of those wheelchair access ways, it was really quite a gradual slope, so we would pr- just running into the 50 metres hard, sort of running back out. We did, we did a few sort of specific activities like that, and um, the then um, obviously the sea, sea training once a week, doing some in and outs through the waves, you know, it's quite a different experience trying to bash through waves and get through them cleanly than just going on a, a full flat surface, yeah. So I think those are the main differences really.
0: Yeah. So you're obviously a coach now, and actually I come up to Auckland a bit for work, Hayden, and, and I swim where you, where you coach, and I see your few your clients a bit, and I'm always quite impressed with the, the amount of detail you spend with them with your video camera and all that, but um, I was just wondering, as a coach, how big are you on technique?
2: Um, well I think we can go on for hours and hours about this, and you know that, and I'm, yeah. I'm not about to do that right now. Yeah. But. The way the way we approach technique, whether you're doing drills, you're kicking, or whether you're actually doing um, just any easy swimming, and you're focusing on how you're moving through the water, so that you can do it more efficiently or faster for whatever energy, you're it should be around about somewhere between 70 and 85% of your week should be at that kind of easy pace, and it's where we've noticed a lot of trifects make their biggest downfall, their biggest mistakes. They do it a little bit too quickly. They don't really focus on what they should be, and they don't get better because of it. And what we try and focus on with our swimmers and what I do myself, you know, try and be the best um, demonstration I can for my athletes, is all of that easy work, which will go up, you know, it's it's always a majority, it needs to be done with your focus on technique. Whether you're doing drills or whether you're actually just focusing on it, um, it needs to be a a factor of every single stroke that you're taking. And so when you you can habitualise that and all the easy work, whether you're actually doing drills or just straight swimming easy, then it becomes so habitual, yeah, when you hit that hard work, which is really important, you know, it doesn't it doesn't um, um, it doesn't, doesn't break down too much. You know, you're actually you're not only getting the endurance and you're getting the fitness from the long stuff, but it tends to create those important habits that don't break under pressure or competition or um, intensity. So, you know, whether you're talking about technique as in terms of drills, sure they're important, but um, I think drills often get overdone in terms of how much people do with them, and they don't do them well, and they also don't know how to transfer them back to their swimming, and that's where a big, um, it it's really comes down to communication between the coach and the athlete, but if you can understand your drills, do a minimum of them, like it might only do, say, 10 minutes of drills a week, but if you've got a really good understanding how you're doing, you do them well and transfer them, then all you need to do is do your easy work well, better, and then that's where you have your big, um, your big change
0: gets made so mm. that makes sense. Oh, That's interesting isn't it How much percentage of technique would you do Bevan? Oh, I tend to do just one session a week Where I just kind of get in and go really easy With yeah. just technique work But I try to focus on I don't come from a swimming background So you always feel like you're trying to improve your technique mm. You know it's a battle that you've just always seem to have in your mind now, a lot of
1: um, triathletes I work with often struggle a bit when I tell them to do all four strokes, you know, doing some IM work and some butterfly work. Do you, do you include a lot of um, you know, medley work and different strokes with the, the, the variety of swimmers you work with?
2: Yeah, I do, um, and it's, it's one of the uh, typical things that, are, that uh, a triathlete will tell you. If you're coming from a swimming perspective and you're trying to educate them about the importance of all four strokes, the way we try and view it is, a different stroke is really just a drill. And whether it's actually formally a different stroke, if, if the swimmer can get the head around anything in the water that's a skill where you've got to try and maximize your speed forward for whatever energy you put in, whether it's backstroke, fly breaststroke, or whatever, really all you're trying to do is maximize your ability to create backward movement through a shape forward that doesn't create any turbulence. So whether you're doing butterfly or you're actually just doing freestyle, the better you can get at all those four strokes. Um, normally, your skill level in total should rise to a level where your freestyle ends up benefiting as well so um the triathlete's response to that normally is well, you know i'm not going to do butterflies <laughs> but um no, i'll give you that <laughs> especially i mean yeah but um but butterflies are as a, as an example can be quite um useful y- you know that the desire to want to breathe especially in butterflies quite strong and you never learn if you never learn to get a breath unless you develop a reasonably good catch it will make you bend your elbows, it'll make you press outwards. You'll actually learn to feel the water sometimes better in butterfly than you can teach somebody in, um, in freestyle. So there's just one example of how, say, butterfly can have a, a beneficial transfer back to freestyle. Um, backstroke um, is a big rotational stroke, so if you have problems teaching somebody how to rotate on their front when breathing's you know, obviously an issue, then you can you can do it often sometimes easier, getting them learn how to, learning how to do that, that skill with a pair of flippers on their back. Mm. Um, and rotating and then put the back on their front. Breaststroke's mm. a little bit different, um, as um, it really has very little um, obvious translation back to style but um, you get the point anyway. I think mm. most, yeah. most um, coaches worldwide as well, that they will tend to, and we're talking um, possible coaches here again, but they will tend to teach a, um, a broad spectrum of skills. And only when that swimmer, um, if they're running an internationally competitive program, once they get to the, the ages of 13 to 16, where they do become competitive on a world stage, um, then actually start to specialise those swimmers into single strokes. And you saw that with Daniel when he when he went to the Olympics, originally he was a butterfly swimmer. Um, and um, I, I went to nationals and won the, the 400 m at, at nationals in 1993, but... Um, the only reason why is because Daniel wasn't competing in that event that year. He probably <laughs> would have beaten me. I have no doubt. <laughs> but um, he was focusing on other things. But eventually, he he came back to freestyle, and you know he he could have probably beaten me at breaststroke, um, backstroke, and definitely butterfly. You know, he got um, the 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 bronze. I think it was yeah, ninety two, yeah, yeah whatever that was. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, it, it's a big it's a big mental change for um, a triathlete to want to learn those other strokes but if they treat it more as a, as a winter kind of skill program and they do ramp up the mileage of those other strokes and they actually can make changes I think they will and we, do, we, we see the, um, the issue in our squads you know and in Auckland at least we're known as, as having quite technical squads I think you can go along to a lot of tri-squads and not get a lot of feedback and mm. in the coach's defence it actually is quite hard to offer a lot of feedback in, in a squad setting but uh, we we make a point of making all our squads um, very kick um, and very other stroke, especially in winter. We've been through about four months where um, there's been a lot of a lot of negative feedback about the amount of fly and <laughs> stroke and breaststroke, and especially kick compared. But people benefit from it, and come, come summer they they end up racing better. Yeah, mm. yeah. When
1: when you were sort of setting a program, obviously Bevan and I are sitting here, and and I'm you know, roughly about a 50-minute Ironman swimmer and Bevan's roughly a... 58, 55? 58, 55. F- 58, 58,
2: 55. <laughs> um, do you, would you... <laughs> in, that sort of,
1: yeah. Yeah, in that sort of scenario, <laughs> would you give, the say, the two athletes a, a very similar programme or would you structure it quite differently for someone who's sort of a, a first pack or a second pack swimmer versus, say, around about an one-hour swimmer?
2: Yeah, no, it does need to be set differently. You do need to know your athlete well. Um... And there's, there's no definite answer to that, but the general overview and difference between the swimmers tends to be that um, if the 60-minute swimmer for an Ironman swim, if they're not doing all the distance quite that correctly, and a lot of them, you know, at the 60-minute mark is where you're getting to be a reasonably proficient swimmer. Um, they know they've got a fair way to go but they are hitting the point where they're hitting sort of 135 or 130 repetitions and 135 average for the whole Ironman swim Um, it's getting to a reasonable level but they often still won't do their long distance that correctly so in that sense if that long distance hasn't actually been done perfectly then it's not going to make as big a difference as say a 50 minute swimmer um, who you can generally give a lot more distance to and you know they'll be doing it better Mm. If you know what I mean? So yeah. mm-hmm. you'll get more benefit out of getting a, a, um, a better swimmer long distance than you will um, get long distance just thrown at a a slightly Weak. weaker swimmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah. You'll tend to give them sets where the importance is placed more on controlling times rather than the actual speed of the times. Like a set we give some of our athletes as. Um, we gradually build them up from quite small sets like it could be as small as 850s trying to bring your times down over 850s on, a, on an interval that gives you about 10 seconds rest so it just shows pace control and once they gradually build control up to say 3100s where they can bring their times gradually from say 135 down to 125 over 3100s on the same interval then that shows enough control that you know you can throw 5 or 6k sessions out and actually get a benefit yeah. from them
0: mm-hmm. but until
2: you get to that level the long distance stuff really doesn't doesn't do what you want it to
0: yeah
2: so there, there's a change there so I guess what what we mean there is the, the mileage can tend to be um, easily more easily thrown at the um, better swimmers knowing it's going to work um, but, but for the other swimmers sitting around about the 60 minutes you've got to build them up to it in a way where you know that long distance is going to work and also those slower swimmers threshold sets just going hard and hairy for 30 minutes over say 50-100s 100 on 145 trying to hold the 130s most of those swimmers just get slower yeah. and while it's good for a good hard workout maybe once every four weeks if you're doing it every week you're just pummeling yourself into the ground and your technique deteriorates yeah. whereas you can, you, can, you can generally tend to give that, that set to a, a better swimmer a bit more often without you know you will get better benefits and you won't get as much technique deterioration.
0: Mm. Mm, that's good. Do, um, do you prefer the Ironman athletes you coach uh, to swing frequently or longer? So would you rather them have five short sessions or like three longer sessions, or does that just depend?
2: Yeah, no, we, there's a definite answer that. I think with triathletes, especially when they're working class athletes and they've, they've got a job to hold down or, or a family, uh, de- definitely less is more. Um, but you always want to try and get more out, out of those fewer sessions. Um, like Faye Dockett is a girl we used to coach, and uh, she she went. She actually got to the point where she was swimming reasonably well. She was getting down to. She was a. Um, she has gone long distance in the in the past. Um, she might have even won.
1: She jo- won. Johnny, did she win this? Nice? No, no. She won yeah. world long long course triathlon champs.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean. But what did she do? What was the best race she ever got to? And she's got she got she got
1: second at uh, Ironman Australia, Western Australia.
2: Yeah, yeah. So she she did she did do well. I think at that point she wasn't with us. Yeah. Um, we chose to go our own way for um, a couple of years. But we found with her, she put in about six months where all she wanted to do was training. And we found that we got better results out of her. She got down to a twenty-minute um, flat fifteen hundred meter um, time, which was pretty respectable. So yeah. Holding one twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was after I think that was about two weeks after she had uh, oh, the best trip, um, set that I ever saw. It was 2100s on 130, and she held 115 to 118s, which is pretty sharp. Yeah. Um, but we did that on the back of six sessions, doing two sessions on Monday, two sessions on Wednesday, and two sessions on Friday, um, and that we found that worked better after she went up to ten sessions a week, and ten sessions a week was just killing it. Yeah. And she wasn't doing them properly, and the technique was deteriorating, and she actually got slower doing that. It's mm. quite interesting to watch. So, um, yeah, definitely more's, more's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, less is less, less. Sessions is better, but you've got to be able to do a lot of training within that. Yeah, yeah. As cool. long as it's done well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, I know this is a very um, how long is a piece of string sort of question, but are there any any sort of common faults that you see the majority of Ironman swimmers making?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'd normally put it down to two of them. Um, it's, it's the age old thing, everyone's heard this in to get your head down, but because we swim um, as triathletes in the open water for um, some of our training, um, and most of the races are down out there in the open water with CHOP um, a lot of the time, you do have to lift your head, it's just part and parcel of um, navigating, and um, you don't have a blue line underneath you, which is, you know, some people are pain in the ass, but um, you, um, the, the fact of the matter is that. Whether you're in the pool or you in the sea, you've still got to be able to try and slide through the water, whether there's waves or not, Um, and if you do have your head up too often and that negates the effectiveness of where your power's going. Um, Totally. For example, when most people lift their head, they create, and they don't do it deliberately most of the time, but they they create a lot more downwards force, Mm -hmm. which doesn't actually make you go forwards to be able to produce that head lift to see where they're going, and then they keep their head there too long. So even even um, when you are in, in, in a turbulent sort of ocean setting, you, you do have to lift your head quickly, and, but then immediately get your head back down. Um, no matter how um, often mm. you're lifting your head to, to navigate. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> one of those things. I think that that the um, the better swimmers do get away with a little bit better. Um, they can lift your head more often and maintain a better body position than a poorer swimmer. So really, um. I think you know. He, he, your head lift is, is the biggest thing, and it creates the second thing, and that second thing is a rush stroke. Um, like, basically, a lack of a glide. And we're normally talking, uh, we're mainly talking what happens when you're going easy here, but if you can pause a little bit, even when you're going at speed, um, you generally tend to produce a bit more backwards force when you do start pulling. Yeah. Like, it makes, you know, to all your, all your listeners, you know, obviously, backwards force is a lot more obviously. Um, positive in the forwards direction than downwards forces. So if you can slow your catch down, pause first on the reach, even for a split second and then slowly catch until your hands facing backwards then produce your force, it, it always brings a better, um, a better stroke and a better um, result.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. Hey, um, how important is kicking?
2: And for an Ironman at least? Yeah, kicking, kicking in terms of Ironman is another one of those. Uh, interesting topics that um, especially with males over the age of 40 don't want to know about. Females find it a lot easier because of their flexibility, um, but but kicking really, if you want to be as objective as you can about it, it's, it's one of only two propulsion systems that you have. So if you, if you do completely um, ignore it, then you're dealing with about three issues. You obviously ignore all of the, pro- the potential propulsion that you can get out of your kick, um, and even though propulsion is the obvious aspect that um, a kick, will add to your stroke. Um, the other two aspects to, well um, there's actually another three, um, aspects to why your kick is important whether you're an ocean swimmer or whether you're a portable swimmer. Um, most males who don't like kick, who are age group triathletes, they don't like it for a very severe reason. It's because they don't have the ankle flexi- flexibility to produce a, um, a good kick with backwards force. Um, and because of that, they can't see the point in doing a lot of work on it because they know that when they have in the past, they don't actually get benefit out of it. Mm. But if they work on the flexibility over winter and um, and don't even kick at all, but if they if they don't have that flexibility and they can get a lot more flexible, they'll simply start kicking better and they'll actually start noticing a big change in the way their stroke changes. So a, we've always noticed changes and um, a good kicker will lead to a good stroke. Like You'll get a synergy in terms of um, a better kick always produces even more power at your arms. Um, it gives balance to the stroke, um, and that's why you get a synergy out of the arm strokes. But also, a lot of the um, sort of over male um, age group tri-fleets, you'll notice, create a lot of drag with their feet because A, they don't have that flexibility. Their feet don't stay very compact together. And so they are dealing with um, something on the other angle. It's not even a propulsion issue, but um, if you did even ignore the uh, propulsion aspect to the kick, and um, you took it purely from a drag angle and you could just eliminate drag that was being caused so if you know you're in that mm. position in the boat already, then you're gonna be able to create a more effective stroke just by getting rid of drag. So mm. if you don't work on creating 40, yeah. mm. So kick, whether you're an ocean swimmer or a pool swimmer, is, it is an important issue, but um, it's easy to see why um, a lot of age group is um, really don't want to do it and why they avoid it um, um, like a butterfly set. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love
1: those butterfly sets. Um, <laughs> When when you're building up, you know, sort of in the race part of the season, so for obviously the Kiwis, that's generally sort of, you know, December, February, March, um, December, January, February. Are there any sort of key sessions that you sort of look to give um, pretty much all your Ironman athletes at at certain points in the build-up?
2: Yeah, key sessions are a bit of a, um, it's it's one of those broad questions. We've normally, we, we, with with an athlete that is working um, they can normally handle about three um, and if they do those three sessions per week well they don't really need to do a fourth and, and unless you're looking at somebody who has got a little bit more time than only part-time employment and they can recover a bit better but um, in terms of key sessions um, we'll put it down to kind of three um, broad session plans a week um, as you will instead of actual key sessions like the only key session that we might do and it's really only over um, over summer is kind of like an indicator for where you're at, and we, we might do an indicating session on about four different angles. Like if your kicks getting better, like have a kick test once a month. Have a distance per stroke test once a month. Have a a set we call a mini max, which is a minute. It's a combination of both your stroke counts and your time, just to find out what's happening with your stroke count. What 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 happens to it when you're going at speed, and also just a straight sprint. So we'll do it like an indita- indicator-type session um, once a month when they're in season um, or just a straight time trial to find out where they're at. But uh, we find that an indicator session which gives you a, a range of um, indications, you know, what's actually happening with their stroke and as many tangible levers as possible. It's almost better than a, a time trial because it tells you what's going to happen with the time trial anyway. Mm. Um, but in terms of three sessions a week, what we'll try and do is gradually build somebody up over, firstly maybe a long session, assuming they're doing it well and they can gradually build that session as long as they're doing it properly um, in terms of pace or, or stroke count. Um, session session is either a, a time based pacing session or once they've got that control of their pace right you'll build that into um, for the better swimmer's uh, threshold set which is pretty much just a race, race pace set um, from 25 to 40 minutes depending on how good that swimmer is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last session, we always found that distance per stroke sets mixed with kick and drill sessions always work quite well. And they're a good session to have on Monday if um, you're dealing with a uh, a working athlete who's been doing some huge miles on the weekend on the bike in the road. Doing that short session, even if there's a little bit of sprint work or a hard, hard kick in it, it actually works quite well on on the Monday mm. because um, even if there is, as I said, a of kick in it, um, as long as the short kick sets, um, and this sprint, they actually don't kill you too badly, and the, that session normally ends up being 25s, 50s, or you know, just low repetitions that um, are easy to think about when you're naked from that long distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in terms of key sessions, maybe an an, an indicator of the session, which gives you a bit of a um, a range of um, feedback, not just a time trial or just a time trial maybe once a month, um, or you know, just a range of sessions per week. We've got
1: a couple of questions here from some of our listeners. Um, You've you've pretty much addressed this one already, but one of the questions was, what should my head position be? Some people say look straight down. A few others say look forward. As if you're looking at an area um, where the floor of the pool meets the wall, who is right and why? I guess you've really covered that as as people really want to be keeping their head down. Do you want to be looking directly straight at
2: the bottom of the pool? Um, Yeah, it's a broad question. Again, it all comes down to... um, you want your head position at all times. If you didn't have to breathe, in a position that's going to eliminate drag. So swimming is about two broad things: it's about getting through the water in, in the best shape possible, so you don't incur too much drag and turbulence. Um, and that um, there's three aspects surrounding that, but one of those is head position. So if your head position is roughly at the same level as your hips. 80% of the time, 20% of the other time, you're looking forwards, because you have to, um, and if you did not need to breathe, then you head to be in the perfect position 100% of the time, but um, obviously, we, um, we're, we're, we're working with triathletes who do need to get in the ocean and, and navigate by lifting the head every now and again, but um, I normally say, if your head is in a position where about a centimetre to two centimetres of your head, the back of your head, that is not the crown, the top of your head, but the back of your head is... Uh, um, Say so up to two centimetres out of the water, and that's probably perfect. And to get in that position, you need to be looking down. And if you're in a pool, probably two or three tiles backwards. But the, the general rule is, if you're looking in that position 80% of the time, and 20% of the, t- the rest of the time, you've got to look forwards to pass people or just to check who else is around. them, that's probably good enough. So. Some people will tell you you've got to have your head, you know, right down. Some people tell you you've got to have your head looking forward and really it's a max, but if you can keep your head 80% of the time in a head down position so that, you know, water can flow straight under you without hitting your chest, then, you know, that's probably the best max. Yeah.
0: Cool. Okay. We also had a question regarding fingers. Now, this is one I've had a lot of myself is that, should the fingers be closed or should there be a slight gap and if so, how much?
2: Yeah, it's a fair question as well. It's, it's one of those things where... Um, All of the research I've done over over my years as a swim coach, um, you know, you find you've got to be reasonably well versed in in what um, you do yourself, you've got to know um, if you use yourself as an example, which I try to do with my swimmers, um, plus you've got to know what the elites, um, you know, the Olympic champions, the world champions are doing Mm. and how they swim, so you can answer these questions with a bit of a lack lack of bias. Mm. I've always noticed this. It's a bit of a random thing with with elite swimmers, at least. Um, I know logically, for me, keeping your keeping your fingers loosely closed creates a slightly bigger surface area on your whole palm. So theoretically, you know, if if you're a sailor and you can use a bigger sail, you're always going to choose the bigger sail. Mm. Um, there's no no argument with that, I guess. Um, and it seems pretty logical to me as well. If you can keep your, your fingers at least slightly loosely, not jammed and together then you're going to create a slightly bigger surface area but even now and again you will see somebody who swims with one of their fingers or their fingers slightly apart but it doesn't actually seem to be any major negative thing um, mm. and I'm only taking that from an unbiased perspective of knowing what um, the world's elites so um, what the world's elites actually do but like Popov for example swims one of his um, right oh, I'm not sure which, which thumb it is but one of his thumbs sits completely out and on the other hand it's completely in so Hmm. all his fingers are together but one of his thumbs is out and one of them is not so you know whether he actually knows he does that or not i don't know i don't know the guy but um i find it quite quite um um it's probably unlikely that he's doing it specifically for that reason so i think it's probably just a random thing that he perspectively um, does intuitively and who knows i don't know but at the end of the day i think it's quite logical if, if you've got a bigger surface area that's better and when your fingers are lightly apart, I don't think it matters too much as long as they're not fully apart. Yeah, yeah. We've always, we we do stroke count tests with some of our swimmers every now and again to give them a different feel. And even when they put their fingers completely apart, they often don't have a lot different stroke counts than when their fingers are fully together. But then when you get a get a swimmer swimming with the first, it completely destroys their technique. <laughs> so yeah. So at the end of the day, it's it's one of those things. I, I think it's. Um, It's a funny thing, the whole swim technique thing, you've got to be open-minded, there's no one perfect answer for everything, although there are certain things that most elites tend to conform to, but um, there's always a little bit of, you know, if if you want to be on the forefront, then um, you've got to be open to, um, to change and yeah.
1: We're going to just finish with one, uh, probably the most broad question we've had all day. (laughs) What are the five basic and easy remember remember things to do? You can do every swim session that will improve your stroke. So basically, how do you get faster? So it's a bit of a a broad one, but I know you've got um, perhaps maybe a couple of tips you can give um, for for just general tips.
2: Yep. Yeah, we we like to keep things simple as well. I think... um, um, when we first started swimming coaching uh, you know you go through a period where you're learning um, you craft you, you think you're not well you've come from a good background and and um, it's a whole complete different um, game game being on the other side of the fence trying to communicate what you're doing well but simplicity is definitely better and um, if you can keep sort we'll give you three things and if you can keep these three things and you head most of the time no matter whether you're going fast or slow you'll generally tend to get better and the first one is, If you can get your strokes down over time, whether you're swimming easy or fast, um, you are going to be better because that tells the coach and it tells yourself as well that you're um, reaching yourself and rotating and falling forwards into positions that will cause less drag. So if you can gradually try and over time bring your stroke counts per length down, no matter what pool length you're in, then that is going to mean um, less drag and you'll eventually speed up. And there's always a correlation between um, a lower stroke count and a better swimmer. So, um, second thing is, um, there are oh, two common faults are crossing on your reach, reaching mm. across the center line when you're reaching, and there's multiple reasons which we don't need to get into why it's a fault. Mm. Um, and then if a lot of people who do that, they'll also cross under their, under yeah. their body when they're pulling. So, you'll not only feel more, more grounded, you'll get a better glide, you'll get a better catch, you'll even find a better pull. If you keep your ride right arm dead straight or just on the right-hand side of your reach, and the same on the left. Dead straight with your left arm when you're reaching, um, or slightly on the left-hand side um, when you're when you're reaching. But then, as you catch and you pull, there will be a slight sculling motion that you go through on your on your journey back to your hip as you're pulling. But as long as that that um, subtle S curve as you catch and pull back stays with your right arm, um, basically on the right-hand side of your body then everything will tend to feel grounded and you'll, you'll actually incur more, more power on, on your palm as you're pulling. So um, basically, whatever your right arm's doing, keep it straight out the, out the front or slightly on your right of yourself as you put back. Um, yes. Yeah, so number three, um, and this goes pretty much in, in, um, in keeping with the first two points, whatever you're doing with a speedier stroke, even if you're going easy, and especially when you're going easy, try and pause just a fraction on your glide. Keep your catch slow and then only make the back part of your stroke faster. So what that'll tend to do is it'll, it'll mean your strokes will come down because you'll pause a little bit in a better, a better position. And then in the, in going from the position at the end of the reach to the start of your pull when your hand is potentially gonna go and produce negative downwards pressure. If you can just keep your catch slow, it'll, it'll minimize that. And then once your hand is facing backwards through um, from the end of the catch to the back of the pull, just make that the most powerful part of your stroke. So basically what we're saying there is through one complete revolution of one arm cycle, you need different speeds. You need to pause, then catch slow, and then pull faster. Excellent. Cheers, guys.
1: Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Ray. And just tell us a bit about what's sort of going on up in Auckland. Obviously, you've got your um, squad, so maybe just tell us a bit about that for, for the New Zealand listeners we've got.
2: Yeah, it's very cool. We um, well, we, we run a swim coaching business called Future Dreams, um, and uh, it's futuredreams.co.uk. Uh, for any of the listeners who are online, yeah. um, but we also run a, um, a women's only lessons um, series and we run that through swimcoach.co.nz. Um, but basically, what we, what we cater for up here in, in Auckland is we've got three pools. We, we operate out at East um, through Panmure Lagoon Leisure and Fitness Pools. We do women's only lessons out there um, currently and we're just set to put a master's program in there. Cool. Um, we do a summer program over Parnell. Uh, for most of our triathletes, so that anybody in their in their, in their wetsuit wants to come down and do a bit of do a bit of uh, sort of open water swimming without sort of getting in, in the actual open water, they come down into the 60 metre pool and do a bit of do a bit of uh, long distance swimming in, in their wetsuits. And then all our main operations are based out of um, Central City and um, a pool called the Tepa Bar. So we do a range of different things down there. We do our underwater sessions, do a workshop maybe once every uh, two months the underwater camera, we do uh, private lessons. There's uh, two or three coaches down there we employ to do that. Um, we've got a big range of um, uh, women's only lessons on Tuesday and Thursday, as we sort of officially um, affiliate ourselves with uh, both the Latte series up here and also the More FM series of these races. So we um, have um, nice feeders there, um, and then we've just got our tri squad. Tri-squad. So basically, we've got a we've got a group for anyone, and we um, we cater for absolutely uh, the most beginning uh, beginner swimmer who can't even put their face in the water to um, elites like Joe Lawn and uh, Fiona Doherty and Chanel Barrett so a bit of a mix <laughs> well
1: we're gonna um, in a moment uh, once we've uh, finished talking with you we're actually going to profile your um, your swim video CD so people can also get um, mm, get hold of which that. is great
2: do you do do you still do any online work um, we do just a little bit um, at the moment we did that for quite a few years but um, uh, basically, the reason why we got out of it was that the um, our swimmers were getting good good, res- um, good results from it, but it was uh, it was just taking up too much time in front of the computer, which was yeah. basically giving me a headache <laughs> <Yeah>. and, um, <laughs> so I think um, at the end of the day, we wanted to do such a good um, program for people for that. Uh, yeah, it took too much time and you know hitting, so kind of good yeah. thing they don't breathe for good air <laughs> when they go down to the pool. So that one sort of died a bit of a death. But you can still do. Um, we we actually do um, online assessments. And we found it's a much more finite time thing, and uh, it, people take it a lot more seriously. Yeah. Um, we we do an online assessment. Uh, it's about a, I think it's about 100 US dollars I think for that. Yeah. We follow ups sort of at a at um, a smaller charge, but we um, we basically get. Um, Oh, about five pieces of information that the, uh, the spawner finds out first about themselves, yeah. flexibility and stroke counts and times and a bit about that stuff. Um, and then they send us all their videos from different angles. And then we, uh, we give them, we give them a, t- a call back and talk them through the assessment and then make some programming recommendations. So it's, um, it's quite a good thing to do. Um, we probably have about one or two people a week doing that, but it's not as heavy as what we used to do. Cool. Um, but it's, Yeah. Well, and doing, yeah.
1: Hayden also writes in the uh, Multi Sport magazine in mm. New Zealand so um, look out for his articles there and we'll, we'll put a link up on uh, our site through to Hayden so you can check out all the information there Yep. and um, thanks for, so much for your time today Hayden it's been very educational yeah, very cool. yeah. hopefully Bevan's uh, learnt a little bit I'm I've just be... lost 5 minutes there
0: mate
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you can get him swimming a bit, bit better and uh, if any of you foreigners are sort of coming over to New Zealand perhaps for Ironman New Zealand or something like that and you are looking for a, a stay in New Zealand make sure you go and check Hayden out. Um, yeah. and,
0: you know. I can vouch for that because I do swim with the tips when I'm in Auckland and I'm always impressed with how well Hayden spends time with his clients. Yeah. You know, I've never seen anything like it to be honest. So cool. mm. So thanks for that, Hayden, and we'll uh, maybe catch yeah, up with you again some other time.
1: Cool. Right, you know, So <laughs> that's the. Oh, don't blow all over me. <laughs> He's just done this big exhalation, just spat all his germs all over me. But, uh, yeah,
0: Bevan's going to recuperate now for the next few days. Okay, so, so for, yeah, I'm feeling a bit crook on it, but that's okay. Um, for the next uh, week show, we will actually, next week we might even just cut out Coach's Corner and do oh, He's cutting me off. He's <laughs> cutting me off. Hey, mate, it's, it's prep for you, mate. Know? <laughs> so um, we might actually cut out Coach's Corner next week and just devote it all to the questions and answers. Now, I know in the news... Earlier on, I mentioned maybe not answering any questions, but if you still want to, (laughs) it's still hi. One, we've got a new rule. No. One one question per week. One question per week. And so next week, we'll spend pretty much half the show covering all the questions yeah. um, that we we're aiming to do this week, but which we just didn't have enough time. And we're going to do product review centre next yeah, week. Yeah, product review. We're going to actually have a look at Hayden Woolley's um so, Which I actually think is really great. And it's uh, So we
1: know we talked about that in the interview, said we were going to do it today, but, but again, this the show running is running
0: going overboard. Over we're going yeah. up to an hour ten. So. Yeah. so what are you up to
1: for the rest of the day? What am I up to? Well, been sitting here for about five <laughs> hours, and uh, it's time to go home and do some work. I've had a nice little training session today, yeah. and a nice little four hours on the bike and a little half-hour run, so training is on track. I so. had two hours on the
2: bike. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> a it broke. it broke. But other than that, not too much. The weather's looking good, so yeah. I'm looking forward to this week. Yep. The weather makes you feel so much better about oh, training. Oh, it really does. Whatever. Well, I lived
0: in California for three months last year, and it was never hard to train. Yeah. And it was perfect, yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. so...
1: And, uh but we still love Christchurch. Fantastic place. I've got
0: to give myself a plug here right now. I want oh, New yes, Zealand. Zealand no, no, road, i love
1: Bevan, Bevan retained his title Retained the
0: title <laughs> Of New Zealand Fitness Instructor of the Year oh, they, actually had that's people en-
1: they actually had people entering this year Thousands
0: so. of people entered So I took it out Yep, I have to admit yep. I've got to ring the press Get my photo on the paper Yeah. It's a beautiful thing So there you go So
1: if you if, if, you to, if you get a link anywhere you know, on this Online if there's any articles We'll put a link through to that <laughs> And the other thing we are going to do Is we're going to update our website again I'm just creating a bit more work here for Bevan What are you doing? Because I've People are calling me a porn star. I'm not happy about it. I've actually had two people this week say that picture of you look like a porn star. So... We're going to get that edited a little bit. I am not a porn star.
0: Oh, mate, you <laughs> look sensational, mate. And That's I the thing, Your porn star, they're loving it. That means, <laughs> they're looking at you, think you're a sexual beast. <laughs> <laughs> so Of course I am. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> oh, dear,
1: we're getting too tired. It's time to time to wrap up the show. Oh, yeah. That's enough for this yeah,
0: thanks, Big thanks to Adam Woolley, and uh, check out his website, www.futuredreams.co.nz. And uh, John's coaching site is... triathloncoach.net. And... Porn side is okay. <laughs> iPadTalk.com. <in> JohnnyPorn.com. JohnnyPorn.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, see you soon. I'm losing it. See you sometime. Try them out. Get out there. Bye. See you soon.